the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's how I knew. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. And unlike the shallow emotional heart, this man really receives the word because he's been convicted of his sin been convicted of his need for repentance and faith in Christ. Unlike the preoccupied heart, this man holds on to the word. He doesn't allow life's cares to crowd out the gospel. This is something different. God has done a work of grace in this man's heart. What a joy it is when a sinner truly accepts Christ as his Savior and begins to grow in his newly found faith. We rejoice as the Holy Spirit produces fruit in the person's life. The enthusiasm of a new believer is delightful to behold as we have opportunity to disciple him and encourage his growth in Christ and his understanding of the Word of God. One soul coming to faith in Christ is worth all the effort in sowing the seed of the gospel. Thank you for joining Verse by Verse today. We are going through the parables of Matthew 13 that Jesus taught his disciples. We're learning a lot ourselves as Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, leads our studies. This is the last class on the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils. And there are many more good studies to come. Our website is versebyverseradio.org, where you can listen to this class and many others. They are all free for the downloading. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. Call us if you have any questions about today's study or anything in the Christian life. We'd love to pray with you about any spiritual needs you may have. Our phone number is 727-239-0306. Now with today's class, here is Pastor Steve. Now the second thing that Jesus said chokes out the word from taking root in this person's heart is the deceitfulness of riches or wealth. And that goes along hand in hand with the worries of this world. See, he worries about whether or not he has enough things, and therefore he has deceived himself into thinking that having money is the answer to all of his earthly problems. That's the problem with this person. He's always worried about, does he have enough? So he thinks that if he has enough, everything is taken care of. So he lives to make money, and he lives to accumulate possessions. Now, understand, the Bible never condemns making or or even having money. Bible never condemns that, but it does give serious warnings and condemnation about the spiritual consequences of loving money and pursuing money. In other words, making it the goal of your life, the the major pursuit of your life. And we read this for example in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is this is such an important important statement. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Paul said, but those who want to get rich, now notice he didn't say those who were rich. You can be very poor, but want to get rich. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation 
and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. And he explains, for the love of money, notice he didn't say money itself, but the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, notice, by longing for it, there's that pursuit, there's that wanting to get rich, there's that living for money. Some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Those who pursue riches only bring about many personal griefs in their lives because in pursuing riches, they ignore their own soul's welfare. They deceive themselves into thinking that money is all they really need, only to realize after death that they are lost for eternity without any hope. Then it's too late. That's the deceitfulness of riches. And Jesus actually, in Luke chapter 12, gave another parable that illustrates this. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 12, because so many are in the same category. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he said, he told them a parable saying the land of a, of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crop? So here was a successful farmer. It'd be like somebody today being a very successful businessman. I've made a lot of money with this store. I think I'm going to open up more stores because it says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. So here's a successful man in terms of money. He's just going to expand and expand and expand. And he says, he's going to speak to his soul. Verse 19, I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasures for for himself and is not rich towards God. You know what? This is the kind of person that says, I have many years left In life, when I retire, then I will consider spiritual matters. But right now, these are my years to earn money. That's what it's all about. I will eventually be able to just pay attention to my soul's needs. And Jesus said, you're a fool if you think like that. You're a fool because you don't know when God is going to require your soul. You don't know when you're going to die. Those who pursue riches are in grave danger grave danger. And the story serves just as a great warning about putting off coming to faith in Christ because you've made priority, the priority of your life, making money. When you're old, you'll consider giving your life to Christ. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, you've deceived yourself because all that you have accumulated is someday going to be gone when you die. And then you'll find yourself facing eternity without having taken care of your soul. So be very careful of that. If if that's your category that your heart is in. And and I want to give a word of caution to those of us who, who are believers in Christ as we witness to people about Jesus. Never compromise the gospel in speaking to someone who is preoccupied with, with the anxiety over the mundane things of making money by failing to call them to repentance. Never, never do that. You see, this is the kind of person who thinks that he could add Jesus to everything else in life. Everything else. Jesus will just be one more thing that he adds without having to make him Lord of his life. In other words, he thinks that he can hang on to the world and all the world has to offer and also believe in Jesus. He'll have the best of everything. 
doesn't work that way. There are many people in churches, evangelical churches like this, who think that they're saved, but they aren't. And they're relatively easy to spot. They, uh, they profess faith in Christ, but they never demonstrate a commitment to him. Never demonstrate a commitment to him. They have absolutely no interest in serving him in the church. They live only for whatever seems to benefit them. That's their life. This person may say he loves Jesus. He may sing all the, the hymns of the faith and contemporary songs, but his love lies in other areas. It lies with himself and all the things that he accumulates. He's preoccupied with himself and is unconcerned totally about righteousness and obedience. It means nothing to him. Jesus put his finger exactly on the problem when he said in Matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, he said, and wealth. You can't have two masters. Either one rules over you or not. It's the kind of person, folks, who needs to be told very bluntly when you witness to them that they cannot claim Christ as king as long as they reign as king over their lives. So, so call them to repentance. They need to, to forsake their sin. They need to, to repent, make sure that they have allowed Christ to rule over them. Isn't this just the way Jesus dealt with the rich young ruler? Remember this fellow who said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He even called him a good teacher. And Jesus said, well, you know all the commandments. And he said, you know what? I've kept all of those. Now, the reason Jesus said, you know all the commandments is not because salvation is by keeping the commandments. He wanted this man to realize that he hadn't kept the commandments. The man was very self-righteous. He said, I've kept all the commandments from my child up. I've, I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus put his finger on exactly the sore spot in this man's heart. He could have actually gone over any one of the commandments and the guy would have been guilty like all of us and sinful like all of us. But he put his finger on the glaring weakness that this fellow was blind about. And he said, and remember, he's called the rich young ruler because he's a rich young ruler. And he said, I want you to, to sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and the man was sad and then walked away because he would not do that. What was our Lord doing? He was telling him, you cannot have me as Lord and Savior as long as you have made money your God. You have to repent of that. You already have a God. You can't add me to the list. It just doesn't work like that. Christ is Lord and exclusively Lord over our lives and not him and a bunch of other things. Now, so far, we've seen three types of heart responses of the gospel. And really, they've all been negative responses, and they've all been unsaved responses. The hard-hearted person hears the word, but refuses to consider it. The shallow-hearted person hears the word, responds to it quickly, but only in a superficial and emotional way. The preoccupied-hearted person hears the word, but his attentiveness to the cares of life and money issues leave no room for the message of salvation to impact him. But now we come to a fourth type of response to the gospel and it's one that comes in a believer's life the fruitful heart verse 23 and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil this is the man who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 now in contrast to the other soils jesus called the soil good soil meaning that it wasn't hard, rocky, or filled with thorns like the others. It's fertile soil. It's receptive to the seed of the word. And and let me clarify this. By calling the soil good, Jesus wasn't saying that this man's heart was good. 
in the sense that all the other hearts were evil and sinful and this man's heart was better than anybody else. That's not the case. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that no one's heart is good. No one is intrinsically good. We're all hostile and rebelliously sinful towards God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul taught. He said, there is none righteous, no, not one. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We, so wicked, we don't even know the full extent of our wickedness. And in Matthew 15, verse 19, just a, uh, two chapters later, Jesus will say, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. That's what lies in all of our hearts. Those are the things that make up our heart. So no heart is good. Then why did Jesus speak of this heart as good? Because this, heart, this person's heart is good only in the sense that his heart has been made responsive by God to receive the gospel. That's all. It's, it's just saying that his heart has been prepared by God to understand the truth, to receive the gospel. God, by his sovereign grace, has worked in this man's heart and prepared it to receive the word of God. That, that's all it's saying. Don't build a, a new theology around this. And by the way, that, that's always helpful in studying the parables too. Somebody asked me in the first service about, well, farming methodology. And he said, I was a farmer and here's how I did it. And why didn't this guy do it? I said, you know what? Somebody said, don't make the parables walk on all fours. They're, they're, they're not supposed to be dissected. They just make a point or two. That's all. And I said, remember, this is, this is just an Israeli farmer in the first century. in that modern technology. Don't go deeper than it's supposed to be. Don't overanalyze the parables. They're, they're just simple stories of comparison. And that's all that we, we read here. So don't build a theology around this in the sense that his heart is, is intrinsically good. It's only good because God has sovereignly prepared his heart to receive the word. And that's why Jesus described this man as not only hearing the word, but he said he understands it too. God has given him understanding. God has softened his heart to the gospel so that unlike the hardened heart, he understands it, meaning that he sees his need for Christ and he understands the message of the cross. Why? Because God has made it make sense to him. That's the way all of us come to Christ. Nobody is born with a heart that's responsive. We're all born with hearts that are hostile. God sovereignly works and initiates a responsiveness in our lives. And, and we don't understand it at the time, but looking back, we know, oh, that's what was happening in my life. And unlike the, the, the shallow emotional heart, this man really receives the word because he's been convicted of his sin. He's been convicted of his need for repentance and faith in Christ. Unlike the preoccupied heart, this man holds on to the word. He doesn't allow life's cares to crowd out the gospel. This is something different. God has done a work of grace in this man's heart. You see, this is the individual of all of these soils who's the truly converted one. How do we know that? The proof of his conversion is that he produces fruit in his life. Jesus said varying degrees, some hundredfold, some 60, some, some 30. What is the fruit that the Lord is referring to? It's really not that deep. It's godly attitudes and godly behavior. It's the fruit of transformed character. It's what comes out of a life that has received a new divine nature. It is the fruit that Paul spoke of in Galatians chapter 5. I'd like you to see this and, and note this in your, uh, in your sermon notes, the paper that you have. 
Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Paul said, and, and let me say, before I say this, Paul is not saying, nor is Jesus saying, that the fruit is to the nth degree, that there's never sin in our lives, that we are perfectly fruitful like this every day. Now, there are varying degrees of fruitfulness. Some, some have developed more Christ-like character in their lives than others. That's why I said there's 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. But there's got to be some fruit. There's got to be some evidence of these um, attitudes that show up in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. Paul said there is no law. It's the fruit of a new nature. If Christ lives in you, there will be visible evidence of these attitudes in your life. We're always looking at our lives saying, oh, I want to be more like Christ and I wish I was more loving and I desire to have more joy. Of course, all of us who are believers are like that. But if you look at your life and you say, I don't see any love, at all, I don't have any peace. I don't have patience at all. I'm, I'm never kind. There's no gentleness, no self-control. I've never controlled myself. If there's nothing in your life, there's never been a change in terms of attitudes and values, then you're not converted. Why? Because your nature will be revealed by your attitudes. And then your actions needs to be an action of obedience to the word of God. Philippians 1.11 says, Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. These are the good works that Paul speaks of in Ephesians 2.8.9. After saying that, for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, he says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He produces good works through us. The good works, I, I believe in the and the behavior of righteousness would be obedience to the word of God. Obedience to the word of God. So listen very closely. The point of this parable is to teach us that while most people today are going to reject the gospel, understand that, some will be responsive to it. And those who will respond to it will demonstrate the evidence of new life in Christ by the way they live. If somebody says, I love Jesus, but there is no fruit in their life, you have every right to tell them to examine their lives. Now, we, we don't read hearts. We don't know what's in someone's heart. But we can sure evaluate fruit. And if there's nothing, no interest in Scripture, no, no repentance in their life, no biblical values at all, no kind attitudes that they act no different than an unbeliever, and never, ever, it's because they are unbelievers. And we need to be loving and tell them that. So that's an extremely important truth. Christians, all Christians, evidence salvation by the fruit of godly attitudes and behavior. As I said before, this doesn't mean that, that every Christian will bear the same amount of fruit. There will be some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Some believers are just more committed to Christ, more obedient to Him. But all believers have some commitment. All believers have some obedience to Christ. Otherwise, they're not believers. They're not believers. No fruit means that they are unsaved regardless of their profession of faith. Either they have hardened hearts, shallow hearts, or preoccupied hearts, but not saved hearts. Let's bow for prayer. And as we are 
quiet before the Lord, I want you to think about some things. First of all, I want you to think about the overall design by the Lord of this parable. What, what is the point? At the end of the day, so what? Now that you know this, so what? Why did Jesus teach this parable? He did it to encourage us in our witnessing. He did it to encourage us. This parable teaches that while most of our witnessing will be met with resistance, we're not to be discouraged because God does prepare some hearts to receive the gospel. Therefore, here's folks, as you're quiet before the Lord, get this. Here's the point of the parable. You can't change anyone's heart. You can't change the word of God, but you can throw the seed. That's our responsibility. Start throwing it all around you. Throw the seed of the word as you witness on as many lives as possible and trust the Lord that some of the seed will fall upon good soil that has been sovereignly prepared by the Lord to receive the gospel. That's the main point of this parable. Throw the seed. Be faithful as witnesses. You don't know where the seed is going to land. That's really not your responsibility. Your responsibility is not to bring someone to Christ. That's the Lord's responsibility. Your responsibility in the king's absence, physical absence, is throw the seed on his behalf. The parable also teaches us and serves really as a warning to make sure that our profession of faith in him is real. That we aren't those who have merely had an emotional religious experience without genuine repentance and faith. Or that we need to be careful we're not the kind of people who have claimed to believe in Jesus. But our competing love for the things of this world have squeezed out his word. So that really we have many masters in our lives. Which means we have no masters in our lives. The only real proof that you have been saved is the fruit of godly attitudes and behavior. So what is the condition of your heart? Make sure it's not hardened. Make sure it's not rocky. Make sure it's not preoccupied, but only fruitful. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to encourage us, Lord. It, it, at times, Lord, if we didn't know this, it would be discouraging. Why so few believe When this is such a precious message to us, Christ is the love of our lives. Why the world doesn't accept him because of their evil hearts. Lord, I pray that you help us to be fruitful in our own personal lives, to have great assurance of our salvation. May no one here who really knows you struggle with assurance because of the enemy swooping in. But those who don't know you, Lord, who have no fruit, they they maybe have some churchy, Uh, things going on in their lives, but no real fruit when they're alone and nobody's watching of genuine godliness. I pray that you'll convict them of their sin and lostness and need to turn to Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as individuals who know Christ as a church body to just keep throwing the seed of the word. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to um, understand that it's not our job to change hearts. It's not our job to try to make the Bible more appealing. Help us to just be faithful in tossing that seed, Lord, and may it fall on the soil you've prepared. May there be a harvest, Lord, that we'd be able to see as people receive Christ and grow in him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Steve, for these encouraging words. And thank you, listening friend, for tuning in to Verse by Verse today. We hope the program has been a blessing to you. 
Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. If these programs have blessed you, perhaps you'd consider becoming a prayer and financial partner with us. The Lord's work takes both to keep a ministry going. Verse by Verse is offering the book Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd to anyone who sends in a gift of any amount this month. This is a 207-page paperback book which contains some of the best of Pastor Steve's messages over the past 30 years of his ministry. It's a great spiritual resource. Send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You can also contribute online by going to versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Support Us tab, then scroll down to the Donate button. You can donate by credit card or PayPal. Or call us at 727-239-0306. And our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. Thank you for helping keep this program on the air. On our next broadcast, we'll be looking into the parable of the wheat and the tares. Be sure to join us. Until then, I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden, saying thanks for listening to Verse by Verse. Encouraging you in Christ. Every other religion says, listen, you've got to be good enough, work enough, sweat enough. Christianity says you don't have to do any of that. You come to me. It is my life lived through you. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.